The Florida Gators are bowl eligible following a dominant performance from their run game and defense. We're going to break that down here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Victory Monday. I'm Brandon Olson. Twitter is WNS underscore Brandon. Written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. This episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's game between the Gators and Vanderbilt Commodores right here on Sling Sling is the TV you love for a price you love. Try it today. And the Florida Gators, bowl eligible, 6-4 and four right now. Two games remaining, of course, one against Vanderbilt, which we'll talk about later this week, and one against Florida State, which we'll talk about later that week. Um, but Florida, they got the job done. It was 38-6, to six, just complete manhandling of South Carolina. We'll talk about the defense a little bit later because I, I don't think you could talk about this game without saying – Damn, they killed. But bright young running back duo here in Gainesville because you've got Montreal Johnson and you've got Trevor Etienne lighting it up. And when I say lighting it up, I mean they are an absolutely elite running back duo. Not just for underclassmen, not just in the SEC. In the nation, this is arguably the best and most talented running back group in the country. You could argue for it, you could argue against it, but I think everyone can agree they're at worst a top five running back duo. That is phenomenal considering you have them for at least one more year after this, maybe even another year after that. You've just got incredible talent throughout here. Against South Carolina, the Florida Gators picked up 381 yards on the ground. Just just rushing. Completely erase the passing game. 381 yards rushing. Including, including Jeremy Crawshaw losing 10 yards on the fumbled field goal snap that just went bonkers, really. <laughs> no other way to say it. But so including that, 381 yards. And I'm, I'm going to pull up my phone here to do the math real quick because I, I just want to see something. Uh, because 222 of those yards came after contact. 58.26% of their yards were after contact. That is insane. Because this Florida Gators offensive line has been good. But they, it just looks so much better as a run game when you have this Florida Gators offensive line that is moving people off the line. They struggled against Texas A&M. They had their moments against South Carolina where they weren't great. But for the most part, this offensive line all season has been moving people and opening rushing lanes for whoever has the ball. Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne, they complement that offensive line perfectly. Because once they hit the gap, 
it's like they were shot out of a freaking cannon. They go so fast and they accelerate so quickly. That's the thing with Trevor Etienne. I think that separates him from every running back in the nation. How quickly he accelerates. That 85-yard touchdown was ridiculous. Like he, that was one of the fastest or quickest, I guess we'll say, uh, accelerations that I've ever seen. It, it was insane. It's also weird with Trevor Etienne because I feel like as the years gone on, we've seen Trevor Etienne get stronger and faster. It's very weird. I feel like he's gotten faster since the Utah game. And I feel like he breaks more tackles now, or at least runs through light contact more often now, where earlier that just, he wasn't doing that a ton. And that, that's fine. You know, he, he's going to be thought of as as the lightning to Montreal Johnson's thunder because that's what he is, and that's what he's going to be next year as well. But, I mean, it's just, it's it's wild to me having such a good running back duo and you're like, well, we know they're going to be back for another year because for the past few years it was, oh, like the guy that's really lighting it up in Gainesville going to be in the NFL next year. But no, here you have Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne going to be back. Montreal Johnson, I think, is one that I'm incredibly interested to see how he's going to go for the remainder of his Gator career and even beyond into the NFL because you guys know I do draft stuff, so I'm interested with that. But with Montreal Johnson... He is very physical and explosive. Like, like he burst immediately. That's great. Uh, I will say he's got room to grow. As a pass catcher, he's fine as well. But uh, one thing that I need to see him improve on next year is picking his spots. Because there was literally one point against South Carolina where, and I know a lot of people are going to love this, and I loved it too. It's just not the efficient thing to do. Where they had... Uh, it, it was his rushing touchdown where there was a South Carolina defender right in front of him. There was room to the left and right, and like no one was really in range to close in. He just ran through the dude, and I get it. You know, the, the fastest way to point A from point A to point B is is a straight line. Um, but I, I'm just curious to see what's going to happen with him long term. I'm also so happy that Montreal Johnson has gotten such an uptick in carries. You know. For much of the season, he was in like that 8 to 10 range that we're seeing Trevor Etienne get now. But, I mean, Montreal Johnson, 13 carries against LSU. 11 carries against Georgia. I think it was for 24 yards. It wasn't much. And then in back-to-back weeks, 22-plus carries. It also helps that you have someone like Anthony Richardson, who Anthony Richardson, especially in recent weeks, I feel like he's kind of... I feel like he's kind of picked his spots better as to when he needs to take off running or when he should take off running. I know they've also worked way more option in. I talked about split zone read. Ad nauseum at this point. Um, but it doesn't change the fact of like like him being more effective in the running game and being more aggressive in the running game is certainly helping. Uh, Dante Sanders and Jonathan, and Jonathan Odom. Uh, Dante Sanders has improved. Jonathan Odom making an I want to say an early case for starting tight end spot next season yeah as a pass catcher he had his I think it was uh two catches for the Gators against uh South Carolina but more importantly at least in this offense he is clearing the path you look at 
the Texas A&M game. He blocked a Texas A&M defender into another Texas A&M defender and caused the second defender to change his path, and that led to Anthony Richardson's 60-yard touchdown. You look at this week, and there were multiple times where Jonathan Odom was either sealing the edge or create, or helping create a lane, and, and he's been just so good as a blocker this season. I'm curious to see how he's going to perform over the next two weeks, especially when things are going to be weird. Because <laughs> Vanderbilt, for much of this year, was bad. And then they just beat Kentucky, who beat Florida. And I know transitive property is not really a thing in football, but interesting to see Vanderbilt stepping it up. Florida State, never an easy game, no matter how good or bad each team is. Always going to be tough, so I'm curious to see Jonathan Odom and his involvement in the next coming weeks. But now, <sighs> defense time. And I can't wait to talk about this. But first, I do have to talk to you guys about Upside because today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Whether you're cringing at the pump from looking at the gas prices, which are getting better, still not great, but getting better. Whether it's an eye-popping check at, a, at your favorite restaurant or in my case, this past Friday, a restaurant I've never been to that, sheesh, um, but inflation is hitting us all where it hurts right in that wallet. That's why I started using Upside. Upside's an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. So everyone, with every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. And you can too. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use our promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more, download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Thanks again for making Locked Night Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And now we're talking about the, the defensive side of the game, which was also weird because it's exciting, but not exciting most of the time when you see a team playing good defense it's not usually an exciting game sure this week is different because there were if i'm not mistaken 73 forced fumbles it was insane how many fumbles were forced by this gators team i mean obviously desmond watson with just just play of the year when he just reached his arm in to, I mean, he's getting blocked, reaches an arm in, and just runs away with the ball. Like, it was it was incredible. Like, I know everybody or most people probably saw that play a few years ago where it was uh, Giants versus Jets. So it's probably 2020. I think that's when it was, um, if I'm just doing the schedule math right. So probably 2020, Giants versus Jets, Jamal Adams, pass rushing, blitzing, whatever. He's an edge rusher. I don't care what he's listed as. So Jamal Adams is coming in, running up to Daniel Jones and just taking the ball from his hands and then running with it. It's like like that that level of insane where Desmond Watson is getting blocked, reaches his arm in and just rips the ball. Which by the way, Des just like do that every play then. If, if you could just do things like that, do that every play. Um, but yeah, this defense has been incredible lately. Six quarters, six quarters without allowing a point on this defense. Um, yes, there was a touchdown for South Carolina, fake punt. That's special teams. Um, defense has gone six point six quarters without allowing a point. That is insane. I don't think they're going to continue that streak against Vanderbilt. It would be really freaking cool if they did. 
but I don't think they will. But it was just the attacking, aggressive mindset was incredible to see. Uh, You got to see Kamari Wilson forcing the fumble, where even if, because I know there were some people that were like, ah, never had the ball. One, I think he did. Uh, Two, either way, it's a turnover. It's a turnover that Kamari Wilson forced to Trey Dean, who caught it and ran with it. It was just wild. It was an awesome game. Uh, Nine players for the Florida Gators had a pressure in this game. Jervon Dexter had four pressures. Tyreek Sapp, Prince Leumann Miel, and Antoine Power Island all had three pressures. Just awesome. Because three of those four guys will be back in Gainesville next year. So that's dope. Uh, Jervon Dexter, I mean, probably not coming back. Just that's the feel. Um, He's more than welcome back. I just, I, obviously, I think most of us think he won't be back, which is fair. But four pressures for Javon Dexter. He had a sack. It was just, it was weird because going into this game on, I believe, Thursday and Friday, I spoke about this, where Spencer Rattler, he's been good his entire career at escaping pressure, extending plays, whether it's rushing yards or extending plays and throwing the ball to someone. And that was a concern for me. It was Spencer Rattler's going to pick up these rushing yards, which is why I, on underdog, I took his rushing total. Spoiler alert, didn't work. That sucked. Uh, just saying. But yeah, th- this defense just, just was causing havoc immediately. That was the thing that was different from any other game where, or any other game or any other quarter where we saw the defense get pressure was they did it consistently and immediately for the majority of this game. It, it was insane. And it was cool, too, because they were kind of just like, I feel like the defense was daring South Carolina to throw the ball, and South Carolina did throw the ball and completed a good number of their passes. I think he, I think Spencer Rattler had like 72% uh, completion percentage. But there was nothing really available after the catch. So secondary was blanketing people. Pass rush came in immediately, and even when South Carolina ran the ball, the defense was ready to go. It was, it was insane. Ventrell Muller played one of the best games of his career in his last home game at the Swamp, which still just I, saying that breaks my heart. Um, but it, it was just wild to see the team where I think South Carolina's offensive line is better than Vanderbilt's. I think they're on par with Florida State. So I'm curious to see, because I also think Spencer Rattler probably handles pressure better than Vandy and Florida State. So looking towards the rest of the season, I'm like, okay, if the defensive line continues their pissed-offness for the remainder of the season, they're going to put up some numbers. And also, yeah, I, I feel like some people pointed this out in the live stream or in the Discord or in on Twitter where it was like, hey, like, is some of this, like, payback for last year? I absolutely think it was, yes. I absolutely think that a lot of these players were pissed after what happened last year with Florida and South Carolina. And so they said, guess what? We are going to kick the crap out of you. Um, and they did that. And they did it the entire game <laughs> where there were certain points where it was like, just leave. Like, I think they actually made the joke where uh, someone, I forgot who it was, and I, I apologize for not remembering who it was, 
but someone asked Anthony Richardson what would they have done like what would have the celebration been if Desmond Watson returned that that strip fumble whatever for a touchdown and Anthony Richardson was like we would have just gone into the locker room which is because it, it was insane it was pure domination it was a Florida defense that we haven't seen in years and I don't even mean scheme or anything like that I just mean effectiveness we have not seen a Florida Gators defense come out and kick some you know what that consistently four quarters in years it was also great to see so many young players on this Florida Gators defense get uh, get actual snaps and actual playing time obviously say what you will about whether or not they mattered because it was kind of a blowout so I don't know if you can call them meaningful reps but there there were early on where I know Florida went up early and, and just kind of ran with it but early on they started making these rotations where we saw it happen a lot and there were there were just young players uh just throughout that entire game. And I'm, I'm going to pull up the numbers now and see just the, the defensive snap count because I need to know because it was wild. I remember because I knew that every week I put Florida Gators corners versus whatever team and I, I post the stats. And I think the most coverage snaps played by a Gators corner was 13, 14 by Jordan Young. Uh, so 14, which is wild. Also wild that he like hasn't played and then all of a sudden he's here. But just young players, Shamar James played the sixth most snaps, as did Kamari Wilson, as did Antoine Powell Ryland. Then you had Chris McClellan play the 12th most snaps. Jordan Young played 14th most. Desmond Watson played 15th most. Miguel Mitchell played 16th most. Justice Boone, 17th most. Jalen Kimber, 17th most. And and then there's like, it, it was so wild just to see the rotation. Jack Pyburn played six snaps. Jalen Humphreys played six snaps. Chief Borders played nine. Donovan McMillan and David Reese played 24 snaps, or played 10 snaps, 24th on the team. Derek Wingo played 12 snaps. It was insane to see how many young players get reps, and I think you're going to see that more often. Um, you know, remain, remainder of the season, it's about winning as many games as you can while also figuring out who's going to be here next year, who's going to help next year. And that's kind of been an important part where Billy Napier's been talking about wanting to get bowl eligible because you get 15 extra practices, and that's been a big thing that they want. So just seeing that continue over, you will hopefully see more young players get reps for the remainder of the season. But we're about to talk about what might be the most improved position for the Florida Gators from this year preseason to the start of next season. But first, the rest of this episode is brought to you by Nissan, because this week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. And when I'm thinking of unbelievable abilities on the field for this game, I think we have to go with what I just said as player of the year with Desmond Watson going in there, big boy scooping that ball out away from South Carolina and then stiff arming Spencer Rattler. Like I hope Desmond Watson takes that picture, blows it up, and makes it his wall in one of his rooms. I need to see it because that is just incredible. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about what could be the biggest question mark going into this past season, becoming one of the biggest strengths going into next season? 
Wide receiver, which is an interesting one because we knew running backs would be pretty talented even before we knew how good Montreal Johnson and Charlie Eaton would become because uh, we, we saw what Montreal Johnson did with Louisiana last year, and it was great. When we knew that the O-line would be better because we had Osiris Torrance coming in. We thought Naquan Wright would be very good. He hasn't been, but we thought he would. Uh, but Trevor Eaton replaced that and then some. So running back is not that. <laughs> running back is a position we knew. Quarterback is a position we were all high on, and, and a bunch of people were projecting for him to be great. Offensive line, tight end, everything we kind of knew for the most part, but wide receiver was a bit of a question mark because it was Justin Schroeder and Xavier Henderson, not great wide receivers one and two to go into the year with. That's just what they are. They're they're not super dynamic playmakers. They're not bad. I want to make that very clear. They're not bad at all, but they're not very dynamic playmakers. And that's kind of just just continued on where it's not it's not changed. Uh Justin Shorter has shown flashes to be just a world eater. Xavier Henderson is Xavier Henderson. I feel like he hasn't improved a ton. Not that he's bad. He just hasn't improved a ton. It was how will Ricky Pearsall, of course, coming in from Arizona State, how will he fit in with Trent Whitmore as a slot receiver? Spoiler alert, Trent Whitmore not playing. He, he's just not a part of this team right now, really. He's, not, he's what, ninth on the team in catches. That's bad. Uh, he's got one more catch than Dejon Reynolds, who doesn't play much. One more catch than Marcus Burke. Two more than Lorenzo Lingard, who didn't touch the field until a few weeks ago. He's got two more catches than Jonathan Odom, who had his first catch this past weekend. So, yeah, he's not involved in the offense. So how will Ricky fit in with Whitmore? He doesn't. Whitmore just got pushed out, and that's nature of the beast, I guess. Then now you've got... Caleb Douglas, who, by the way, I will say, um, on Wednesday, I did the depth chart predictions preview, whatever you want to call it. And I, the first thing I said was wide receiver, if Justin Shorter can't go, Caleb Douglas should be the starter. And I got annihilated by a few people that were basically like, you're a moron. That's stupid. No way. Like, because I read the stats that he had and they were like, you're even reading the stats and you're saying this. That's so stupid. Saturday comes around. Justin Shorter's ruled out shortly before the game. And Caleb Douglas gets a start. Oh my God. It's almost like, yeah, you're wrong. Um, so I will say that Caleb Douglas has been very good. And like I said yet, uh, or last week when I was talking about the depth chart, I was like, hey, Numbers haven't been amazing, but quarterbacks trust him and he consistently makes plays. And yeah, he did the same thing. So stupid. Uh, simple as that. Marcus Burke gets open fairly consistently, doesn't get targeted a ton. And I know that it, I think it was the Georgia game, if I'm not mistaken. He was wide open up the seam and Anthony Erickson just overthrew him. Jaquavian Frazier's out for the season with a shoulder injury, but he's been, we'll say promising. I feel like he's someone who just never really gets the reps because, yeah, he's going to have, like, I think he's got eight games played this year. Yeah, eight games played this year. And that's still lying. Like, like yes, he's played in eight games, but it'll be, like, one drive in the mid-second quarter, and then he's done for the game. And it's like, yeah, well, that was your drive. And it's like, how do you expect a receiver to get into a rhythm if they rotate like that? 
at least rotate them every other series or something. Like, like let them build a rotation. Let them build uh, a, a just a, a chemistry with Anthony Richardson or whoever's playing quarterback next year for future example. Um, and then looking at ne- next year's class, 2023, right now, you've got Aiden Mizell, Eugene Wilson III, Andy Jean, and Tyree Patterson all committed. Creed Whitmore, of course, decommitted. That is what happens again. Nature of the beast is what it is. But that's a lot of talent coming in. Like Aiden Mizell, Eugene Wilson III should come in and immediately fight for significant reps. Andy Jean is another guy who a lot of people are high on that could do that same thing. Tyree Patterson, most people acknowledge, is going to be a bit of a project, which is good at this point because... Next year, you're looking really solid. Justin Shorter, I'm pretty sure, has no eligibility remaining, so he won't be here. Xavier Henderson has eligibility remaining, so he might be here. Ricky Pearsall has eligibility remaining. He might be here. You look at just other receivers on this list that I'm looking at. Jaquavian Frazier has eligibility. He might be here. Dejan Reynolds has eligibility. He might be here. Marcus Burke might be here. Um, Khalil Jackson might be here. Ty Chickhout Bowman. Might be here. Jamarcus Weston might be here. A lot of guys who are might be here, and I say might be here because the receiver room is likely to change at least a little bit. We're expecting Trent Whitmore to be gone, which is why I didn't include him, but hey, might be here. Um, but we're expecting the receiver room to change, whether it's through the draft, whether Justin Shorter wants to go, which I think he has to, whether Xavier Henderson goes, maybe. Probably sh- he shouldn't. I want to make that very clear. He shouldn't. Him and Ricky Pearsall, I believe Ricky Pearsall is eligible because um, I think this is his third year, two with Arizona State, if I'm not mistaken. We're going to pull out three with Arizona State. Okay, so even further, he still has eligibility. He should be back. Xavier Henderson has eligibility. He should be back. And then there's a bunch of guys that you know are going to be back unless they transfer out, and that's the thing. Receiver room will change due to the draft or the portal, but – there's a lot of potential to have some damn good football players in that room. And I can't wait. Like, like you're looking at a room that is going to get much more dynamic as the, as we go through and you're going to see so much speed come in and so much quickness and so much talent. And I can't wait for it. I'm so excited, <laughs> but that's it for today's locked on Gators. Thanks for making locked on Gators. Your first listen of the day, every single day. We'll be back tomorrow talking more Florida Gators football. Check out Lockdown SEC hosted by Chris Gordy. Get the best coverage, the best conference, including the best university, University of Florida, on Lockdown SEC. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports and GiantsCountryofSI.com. And I will see you all tomorrow.